The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Not only is Big Van Vader the most awesome athlete World Championship wrestling has ever seen at 6'5", 450 pounds, but back on December 30th in Baltimore, he became for the second time the heavyweight champion of the world. Here's an athlete that's held titles all over the world, and now he is the world heavyweight champion once again. But the athlete Big Van Vader goes further than that. Take a look at his background. High school, college All-American at Colorado. Played professional football for the Los Angeles Rams, but your right. athletic background goes That's back to right. inner city in L.A. That's right, Mr. Schiavone. You want to talk about football a minute? We can talk about football. I've been an All-American since I've been a baby boy growing up at the Pop Warner rinks in inner city L.A. High school All-American two-time. All-American at the University of Colorado, a four-year letterman, four-year starter. Played in the Hula Bowl, the Japan Bowl, the East-West Shrine game. First round draft pick to the Los Angeles Rams, and it all ended up with that. The end all for football, the Super Bowl ring. But that was then, and that's over. This is the gold we're talking about now. The most important gold in the world today, the WCW Heavyweight Championship. And that's man that it belongs to is Big Van Vader. When you talk about the gold, you have to talk about the contenders, the men after the gold. And the first man that comes to mind, one of the first men that comes to mind, is Sting, former world heavyweight champion. What about Sting? Stinger, are you looking at me, brother? <laughs> are all the little Stingers disappointed? Have they gone to the funeral yet? Because it's over, brother. You know what? I'm wearing the gold, and that's something I know you want. That's something you once had. But guess what? You got something that I want. That's the king of cable. Yeah. You want a rematch thing? I think there's... I think me and Mr. Race can accommodate you anytime and any place. And next time... Mm-hmm. Yeah, next time. Ron mm. Simmons. We talk about being an All-American, being a great athlete. Here's a man with a great athletic background as well. The man you defeated recently for that World Heavyweight title. What about the former champion? Tell you what, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. Ron Simmons, big, powerful man. Uh, three-time All-American from Florida State University. And, uh, you know, Ron, you, uh, you took the belt. No, let me say this. You stole the belt from me in Baltimore. I trained for Sting, and Ron Simmons showed up. That's like George Foreman training for Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier showing up. Was that justice? No. Was that fair? No. You got lucky. But Vader gathered himself, didn't he? And he came back man-to-man, face-to-face, and met you where it all happened, where it all began in Baltimore. And the real man walked out with the gold, brother. So, yeah, you want a shot? You want one more time to prove yourself? Come on, bring it on, Mr. Simmons. You want this gold, you better come ready, because I'm ready to fight. Harley Race is your mentor with... Harley Race is your mentor. What are the plans for Big Van Vader now as world heavyweight champion? The plan is simple, Tony. And let me say this before I give you my plan. Mr. Race, seven-time world champion. 
He's been down this road once or twice, hasn't he? He really has? Huh? Yes, sir. He's the only man I've ever taken advice from in the squared circle. Mr. Race and myself, we've devised a plan for me to be the longest reigning world champion in the history of the WCW. Because we all know, Vader, he fears no man and he feels no pain. Yeah. He is the world heavyweight champion, Big Van Vader. Mm. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 95, and it is about the themes of Big Van Vader. And making his debut on the podcast here is a contributor for Voices of Wrestling, and uh, technically is a fellow Andrew, although he goes by Andy. It's Andy Labar. Hello, Andy. Hello, Andrew, fellow Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's a long time coming. Happy to be here. Happy to to cover themes of uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah, I'm glad you're on the show here, finally, for the first time. Um, Although it's funny, uh, you asked me recently when you were going to come on, and I (laughs) I said, soon, don't worry, I have a special topic in mind just for you, and when I told you it was going to be about Big Van Vader... Uh, you laughed because you thought it was going to be about something else entirely, I guess. So Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I'm a little uh, – I don't think I have necessarily different tastes than a lot of the other people in our, our better contributors' voice of wrestling. But I'm not on the up and up with maybe some more modern things or especially modern Japanese wrestling right now. And uh, while I love Vader, I've never really paid attention to his themes other than, than really one or two in particular. So that was not what I was expecting. But I do think that uh, – I mean, I'm honored that you were – thinking of me for that perfect, perfect project. And uh, after kind of doing some research, I feel like uh, I'm ready to go for the, the man they call Vader. Yeah. Well, I think I know you well enough where, um, <laughs> or at least through your uh, Omakaze draft history alone, <laughs> that um, when I thought of the topic for Vader, uh, I penciled your name right in because he is one of the ultimate beef boy wrestlers and you are a big fan of the beef boy wrestlers, Andy. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. I love, uh, I love, Big beefy wrestlers. In fact, one of my favorite indie wrestlers is a guy that goes by the name Big Beef. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I love the the big kind of ugly fat wrestlers. Those are those are usually my favorites. Mm. Well, before we get to the topic of Vader, uh, since this is your first time on the show here, Andy, I'll ask you something that I ask a lot of my first time guests. Uh, when and how did you become a wrestling fan? Uh, yeah, excellent question. Um, I've been a wrestling fan uh, for a long time, not necessarily as far back as I can remember. Um, and I don't have an exact moment. I know a lot of people have like one match that they saw or one one moment. Um, and mine, I, I, I've always been interested in wrestling, probably going back to being three or four years old. Uh, I'm almost 35 now. So we're talking about 1989, 1990. Um, and uh, I, I don't really have a, a particular moment. Uh, I do remember very early on having like a sting 
Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan toys. Um, and so somehow I knew these big, larger-than-life characters. Um, I don't remember ever watching WCW. I had the WCW comic books um, as a, a, not toddler, but a preschool age kid. Um, but I, I guess I usually point to uh, WrestleMania six or WrestleMania seven is kind of my beginning of fandom. So really that, that peak ultimate warrior era, that, 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 that one year where he was kind of the, the title holder and then uh, into WrestleMania seven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, has music played a big part in your wrestling fandom at all? Um, off and on, I mean, in the, in the late nineties in the attitude era, uh, in particular when WWF was releasing the, the CDs, um quite often i know you've covered a lot of them uh, when it, well, i can't remember the name of it now the the rap cd that they did too um oh aggression you, aggression yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely had that um so that was a fun episode when you did that episode um so yeah i mean it, it's it's definitely something that as i was younger i thought it was like the the peak of music almost uh <laughs> but but not so much now i mean i i do enjoy it i think a good theme can really make a wrestler a bad theme can really ruin my enjoy, enjoyment of a wrestler um but uh, yeah, I've done I've done other radio shows pre music of the mat. Not my time on here, but even just knowing you uh, about wrestling themes before, like we're on college radio. Um, but I don't have nearly the the background that you do or knowledge that you do. Okay, that that's fine. That's fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, today, Andy, we are indeed looking at the themes of one of the most iconic big man wrestlers of all time, a man who made a lasting legacy. Not just here in the States, but also in Japan and Europe as well. And someone who uh, sadly died just a few years ago. It's Big Van Vader. Or the man they call Vader. Or Super Vader. Or just plain old Vader. Or Bull Power. Or any other cool names used by Leon White. Which is not a cool name. Uh, (laughs) which, Which, you know, when I was preparing for this episode here, Andy, I looked up some footage of him when he was just starting out in AWA in 85, 86, when he was just the baby bull, Leon White. And he doesn't really look all that special. He's just a, a, you know, a big burly guy with a receding hairline and in black pants. But I think it really speaks to, I guess, like the transformative magic of wrestling, if you will, how you can take the same guy and shave his head a certain way, give him a, a certain unique looking mask and, and a singlet, give him a helmet that looks like he was forged by Satan himself and you give him a terrifying new name and just have him destroy guys in mere minutes. And all of a sudden you go from Leon White, just another big man to Big Van Vader, a pro wrestling legend. Um, I think it's pretty incredible how one character change completely changed the outlook of this guy's career, Andy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, good on, uh, I guess, all Japan and new Japan uh, for, their dealings and bringing him over and, and repackaging him uh those early awa runs when he's it's funny they call him baby bull but he's like 30 years old even when he starts out so he's not not much of a baby i mean he looks like in classic 80s fashion he looks you know he looks like he's been doing this for 25 years even though he's brand new and all this stuff <laughs> he, he looks grizzled uh due to his time in football and whatever else but um yeah you're right i mean he's i when i was watching some awa to prepare for this i was like you know he's basically like uh pre-heart foundation jim neidhart like he's just kind of like this big burly guy who can beat you know 95 percent of the, the world up but there's nothing really that special about him uh but yeah the the gimmick that he eventually got that we all know and love uh really uh, it couldn't really have worked for anybody else and he he made it work as, as well as it could have 
Right, right. And I think what helps put Vader into that elevated status is that he's had these moments that have become, I think, part of wrestling mythos. Because obviously he's not the most complicated wrestler in the world or or the only man to wrestle in that style. But it's because of moments like Vader beating Inoki in his debut and causing a riot in Sumo Hall that people remember him fondly as a legend. It's because of moments like powerbombing Joe Thurman and quote-unquote breaking his back or ticking off Cactus Jack's ear in Germany or wrestling Stan Hansen and getting his eyeball knocked out of his socket and pushing it back in to keep wrestling. Like It's moments like that that'll write your legacy as one of the baddest, toughest motherfuckers around. You know, it'll, it'll make you live forever, Andy, in a way. Yeah, definitely. I, one of the funnier things I remember is uh, an old WWF home video, or it might have been even uh, early network when they did like documentaries. I think it was uh, about Giants. It was like an, it was a home video about like WWF's best big men of all time. And the section that they did on Vader, uh, there was like a uh, there was like five or six talking heads talking about his gloves and how hard he would hit you with them. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was like the stench of the gloves. Like they just smelled really bad. <laughs> and so that's kind of also been like he's just this big beefy sweaty probably smells like beer you know burly guy that yeah he's he's had his eye pop out he's you know broken bones he's done all kinds of things he's just uh he's just a real ass kicker and uh he was not afraid to get his ass kicked here and there as well and he's just uh, kind of the perfect really really one of the best uh, to ever do it i think in my opinion yeah i mean you know his famous line was he fears no man he feels no pain and yeah. You see him wrestle, you look at him, you see the entrance, you see everything about him, and you believe it. That, that's for damn sure. You believe it. Um, mm -hmm. Now, do you remember the first time you ever saw Vader, by any chance? I definitely saw him um, in probably around 90, 1994, uh, 95 WCW. So so I did, I did know who he was before he came to WWF. Um, you know, I didn't really watch Nitro until... Uh, a few months before the NWO uh, took era took place. So in uh, early 96, I didn't really watch that first year of nitro, but I did know Vader in WCW. So before he jumped ship to, to WWF um, and then really one of the, and I always thought he was awesome, but then also one of the things, I don't even know the year this happened. Uh, one of the, the things that was really awesome and crossed over was when he was on boy meets world. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen that episode, but he plays. I have, yes. He plays yes. Ethan Supley's uh, character's dad, and uh, that was really as a as a kid who loved TGIF and who loved wrestling. <laughs> that was like <laughs> my worlds colliding. It was pretty great. That was uh, around '96, I think. Yeah, because, so probably uh, there was footage of him uh, wrestling Jake Roberts, which would have been okay. WWF. So he's in WWF. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I remember the most about that episode is that uh, Corey and Topanga at the end are slow dancing in the wrestling ring and they have to move a few feet over because here comes Vader doing a moonsault into an empty ring. <laughs> and it's like, it's like Ethan Suplee goes like, yeah, dad, all right. It's, it's one of the weirder sitcom endings I can remember watching, but, yeah. um, but still a, a pretty fun moment for a wrestling fan, I think. So for sure. Well, obviously for me, I wasn't watching when he was in WCW or WWF. I had to watch that stuff online years later. Um, I think the first time I ever saw him in any match was the 96 Royal Rumble match, which was his debut in the company. Um, but um, but actually, I, I did manage to see him on TV in 2005. And it's a really weird story because I've mentioned before on the show that there have been times in my life where I've had like 
wrestling ESP where I've predicted some weird thing that would happen in wrestling, like Kevin Nash powerbombing CM Punk at SummerSlam 2011. But the first time I can remember doing that was in 2005. And it was, um, do you remember the old Taboo Tuesday pay-per-view? I do, yeah. Yeah, where the fans you know, voted on the matches. Um, it would become Cyber Sunday later right. on, of course. But, um, but in 05, one of the matches was Batista versus Jonathan Coachman. <laughs> and in the build-up on Raw, Coach was like, I've got two enforcers who are going to help me take you down, Batista. The first one comes out, it's Goldust. And for whatever strange reason, in my head, watching that show live, I thought to myself, what if the second enforcer was Vader? And sure enough, <laughs> what starts to play, but, oh, it's Tom, it's Tom, it's Vader, Tom, Tom, Tom. And Vader comes out as the second enforcer. I, I swear to God, this is all true. And wow. the only possible explanation I can think of is that Vader and Goldust had a feud in late 97, early 98. And mm-hmm. I knew about that. And when I saw Goldust, my brain, for whatever reason, just made a connection to Vader. And all of a sudden... There was Vader. It, it was very freaky, Andy. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, good job. It's funny. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that match or that that pay per view. That's kind of around the the five ish or five to ten ish years where I was loosely paying attention. So really, kind of not watching too much, and I haven't gone back and watched that that era very much. But those are that's a that's a funny combination of people. Yeah. So let's get to these themes here. Uh, we have Great. six to talk about. And uh, Leon White, he broke into wrestling, as we said, with the uh, AWA in 85 under the name Baby Bowl, Leon White. But he really got his first big success in the CWA, the Catch Wrestling Association, in Austria and Germany, run by Otto Vance. Uh, that's where he wrestled under the name Bull Power and actually defeated Vance for the CWA World Heavyweight title in March of 87, ending Vance's nine-year reign as champion. So quite a big deal there. And uh, they would feud for a few years, trade the belt back and forth. Uh, Bull Power eventually got his first theme in the CWA. It's by Bruce Springsteen off of Born in the USA. This is the title track, Born in the USA.
So uh, I first played this back on the Real Songs from the Territories Volume 2 episode with Jeff Hawkins, and the overall gist of what we talked about back then was, you know, so many people took this song at face value to be so patriotic and so pro-America, and politicians are using it as their campaign songs, and wrestlers are using it to symbolize, I'm a true American good guy hero, etc., um, when the reality just shows, that, just shows that wrestlers and Paul, oh sorry I'll cut you off You're oh. the, the point. <laughs> I know what you're going to say too yes. that, uh, that wrestlers and politicians equally as stupid right yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that, that the reality of the situation is of course that the song is rather scathing towards America and the way that Vietnam vets were treated by Americans after the war and there is that disconnect between the usage and the intent of the artist and thinking about it here, there's a similar disconnect, because even though he was called Bull Power, he still wrestled in CWA after becoming Big Van Vader, and there's footage of him in the Vader mask and gear coming out to Born in the USA in this company. And the very notion of Big Van Vader coming out to Blue Jeans Bruce Springsteen is rather strange, I think. But I think here it's just another case of you know, the imposing American force coming in, winning the belt, and he's coming out to supposedly the most pro-American song of all time, Born in the USA. So I think I think that's the extent of the thought process uh, in regards to bold power using this song, Andy. Yeah, definitely. It is. I mean, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's just kind of one of those recognizable songs. I mean, Born in the USA uh, is one of the biggest, al- highest-selling albums of the 80s. It's, it's you know... Everyone knows it, and that's it's kind of like the rock equivalent of Thriller in that way uh, for a lot of people. It just like it was everywhere, uh, and it's one of those things that like so many songs uh, and so many albums, people just just took it face value. Um, and you know, Vader and AWA, I guess, well, Baby Bull and, and Early Bull Power there, uh, Leon White, you know, was kind of this Midwestern or Western ex-football player, just you know, looked like a big truck driver, just this all-American guy. So. I guess that was kind of the where they were running with it. Um, it is interesting to see those old CWA matches and see how much he is like hated, though, even before he he becomes Vader and he, with a, such a upbeat song, even if it's got a downbeat message, he's really booed out of the building uh, in CWA. So it's it's just kind of a funny contrast. Yeah, and there's a contrast too with the music of Otto Vance because mm-hmm. you know Vance, the owner of the company, the hero of Austria. He ain't coming out to Bruce Springsteen, that's for damn sure, <laughs> or or any other contemporary pop or rock artist. He's, he's coming out to some traditional, jaunty German orchestral music, you know. So, musically, you're setting up a good opposition between the big rock guitars, the big keyboards, the 80s-rific American bad guy, and uh, the Austrian hero who represents his, his people and his culture with pride. Does the song necessarily make sense with bull power or whatever? Not really, no. But again, I could see what they were going for. So I definitely, I wonder, like, I, if you could ever take out. I think that's that's the the genius of that song uh, and and Bruce Springsteen. A lot of times in general, is I wonder if you took out the verses and just had just the instrumental and then the chorus. I mean, then it would be like the most patriotic <laughs> song ever, and it would really work the way they wanted, and, and then it would fit. But yeah, with with the verses, especially that last verse where you know he talks about just being stuck at the refinery uh, essentially, and no one's coming to help him. Um, that's always kind of as it 
I, my family was more big Bruce Springsteen listeners, and that's always kind of hit home. Hit not necessarily hit home, but really like, oh yeah, okay, we don't necessarily treat our veterans uh, as well as we should. Um, it's always been something to reflect on, but it's uh, yeah, it doesn't fit them the best. Hey, wrestling, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a real uh, a real picker upper for sure, yeah, for sure. sure. Um, so in uh, December of '87, uh, Leon goes over to Japan. Uh, first, he's supposed to go to all Japan. But he actually makes his debut in New Japan under the new name Big Van Vader with uh, a very early version of the character, too, because he had the helmet, but he didn't have the mask and he wore long tights. And eventually he would get the full black and red lightning mask and then the actual proper Vader mask, too, and so forth. But this is where he started as Vader. And you want to talk about, like, auspicious debuts. Uh, This is it, because... He shows up after Antonio Inoki has just wrestled Ricky Choshu. And the story goes is that he was brought in by Takeshi Kitano. Yes, that Takeshi Kitano, the actor, uh, beat Takeshi because, you know, he was feuding with Inoki with his own group of guys at the time. Um, Now, the fans were already angry at this point in the show and had thrown garbage in the ring earlier because they hated the angle, apparently. And then Vader shows up. And him and Anoki have an impromptu match, and Vader just destroys Anoki in three minutes. Just like that, he beats the god of New Japan. And it actually causes a riot in the building that gets New Japan banned from Sumo Hall for like over a year. Um, and also, the company lost its primetime TV slot on Asahi TV. So, yeah, quite the debut for Big Van Vader. <laughs> and uh, of course, he would go on to become a multi time. IWGP Heavyweight Champion, the first foreigner to ever win that belt, which is a pretty massive accomplishment. And uh, yeah, Vader became a superstar for New Japan Pro Wrestling in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, His theme in New Japan is originally by the band Rainbow, off of their album Down to Earth, but Vader used an instrumental remake of the song by NJP Unit. This is off of New Japan Pro Wrestling 30th Anniversary Best Album, and it's called... Eyes of the World. original version of this song is a lot longer than this. It's around seven minutes or so, and New Japan did do a full re-recording of the song with vocals and everything on uh, one of their albums, but Vader came out to this truncated version, and the intro of the original song 
is awesome because it's, it starts off with this howling wind, and then the low synth line slowly fades in. Boom, bada boom, boom, bada boom, 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 bada boom, bada boom, boom, and then the boom, 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 boom kicks in. It's really cool. This one, it's also great because it starts off with an explosion, and you still get the boom, boom, boom intro but it feels like there's a greater sense of urgency with it, while still giving off that sense of impending doom as well, because that melody just keeps rising and rising and rising until, bang, another explosion into the main body of the song. And impending doom and Vader, they tend to go hand in hand, Andy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if Born in the USA didn't work, this, this one definitely works. Uh, I really love the, the the NJP unit version of this. I like I really like Rainbow and pretty much all Richie Blackmore uh, projects. Um, I like the first three D, uh, Rainbow albums a lot more with 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 Ronnie James singing. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, you know, it, it, I really like the NJP unit version. It just seems a little bit louder, punchier. Obviously, it's recorded uh, a little bit later than the original album and things like that, so more digital or whatnot. But it's uh, yeah, it just. You would see if you would see him in the mask, see him walking down with that that kind of gong-ish sound. Um, it's just it's it's pretty perfect. It's it's an excellent theme. Yeah, the best term I can use to describe this song is action-packed. Yes, right. Because sure. it's not necessarily the scariest, most doom and gloom song ever. It's not mm-hmm. like Bull Nakano's theme or, or Kane's theme or something like that. But it's always go go go. Keep up the pace. Keep up the music. The drums are always constant. There's a, a guitar solo here. There's a keyboard melody there. There's never a lull in the action. And Vader, was he like Rey Mysterio or Masato Yoshino in terms of pacing? No, of course not. But his whole thing was about the unstoppable onslaught of violence. When you're in the ring with him, he is the predator and you're the prey. And he's not going to show any mercy or let up. He will just straight up maul you like a bear from beginning to end. That's his mission. And to see him come out with this song, it's such a perfect pairing in terms of matching his style of wrestling. Because you have the intro, which is full of dread and suspense. And that's what his opponents feel when they have to face him. And then it follows up that dread with the impactful action in the ring. So I think it's a tremendously effective theme in that regard, Andy. Yeah, for sure. I, I 100% agree. I think what what's interesting is the way that the song structured, like you said, with the original version being uh, quite a bit longer, but the, the truncated version even, when it starts to go into those solos and, and those uh, key, both guitar and keyboard solos, you know, you could turn it basically Vader a baby face and it would still work in that aspect. There'd still be this doom of, oh, he's still an ass kicker. He's still this super heavyweight uh, but it's almost, it's like you said, it's not a scary song, uh, but it is sort of an epic song and Vader is just epic. And so it, it could work kind of heel and face uh, probably better as a, as a heel theme, but uh, you know, it's just a, a very enjoyable instrumental piece. Yeah. And even if it did have the lyrics, I think it would still work very well because right. I think the lyrics convey a similar sense of darkness and dread. I see the innocent victims fighting to get to his door no chain of events can shackle him down. Dust to dust by the million, broken dreams in the ground. Aching heart in the hard streets of home, where their spirits are gone. Evil takes, evil kills, with no shame or concern. Killing me, killing you, watch the end of the burn. Maybe you didn't understand, 
we don't need you anymore. If only you could see the tears and pain in the eyes of the world. So it's it's not a happy tune, that's for sure. There's a lot of negative imagery. Things are in turmoil. Evil takes, evil kills, broken dreams, tears and pain. The world's in trouble. You know, Big Van Vader, a man who revels in hurting people and causing pain and inflicting turmoil. He's an evil man. So even though the lyrics aren't here, if you know the actual song, you know that it isn't just the music that suits Vader very well. It's the words as well. For sure. And uh, of course, later on at the end of the 90s, when uh, Vader joined All Japan, uh, they did their own re-recording of this song. So uh, this one did stick with Vader throughout different companies in Japan. Um, I don't think he used it in UWFI against Takata, though. I think he used um, Kevin Sullivan's WCW theme, of all things. But um, but in terms of like Vader themes, Eyes of the World is one that maybe some fans don't really think about firsthand when it comes to Vader, because they only knew him from WCW or WWF. But this one is just as important for his career as you know any other song he's had. Yeah, I think like I like we'll get to. I think the the WWF theme in particular is the one that I most uh, associate with him. I think most people our our general age or at least from America would. But this one, you know, as an older personnel with access to so much wrestling, going back and watching this stuff and New Japan and All Japan. I mean, Eyes of the World is is sort of the Vader theme to me now, and it's uh yeah, it's just it's excellent. I love it. I mean, it's something that um, like I downloaded all the spotify all the rainbow albums on spotify now because i'm like oh, i haven't listened to rainbow in years and it, it really made me hyped just listening to it so mm. so uh, besides being a big deal in japan vader also became quite the big deal in the states in world championship wrestling he would go on to become a three-time wcw world champion but his debut in the company was at the great american bash 1990 when he still had the black mask. It was against Tom Sank. Uh, he beat him in like two minutes and off we go. Uh, his first WCW theme, he only had it for a few occasions actually. Uh, it is by Christopher Sangarides from the Bruton Music Library and it's called Heavenly Thunder. So the song is called Heavenly Thunder, and uh... in the hobby, 
it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network surprise surprise it starts off with thunder and uh, the spooky choir again the intro setting the doom and gloom tone quite well and then that guitar riff kicks in down 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 and the drums kick in that steady dun cha dun cha beat and that's the first minute of the song and it's just plain awesome like i know i said that bader only had this for a few times but that's a real shame because this song it's just it's so perfect for big van vader and yeah i love it so much Oh yeah, and we'll get we'll get uh, to his next one. But this is this would have should have followed him throughout his WCW run for years. It's a shame, you know. Looking at cage match, I don't know if if the Tom Zanks match is the only televised match that would have even had this theme. It seems like I think maybe it might be. I think it might be that yeah, match at the yeah. beach, and then it seems like in 1990 he only did house shows, and then he changes theme for his December comeback. So uh, that's a bummer because it's it's yeah. While it's uh, 
it's not a perfect theme. I think it, it you know, for that era of WCW where things were like quite simple. A lot of the themes were, were quite simple, and a lot of them sounded similar. Um, this one, you know, is, is very doomy. Um, that guitar, you know, solo, and yeah, it's just it's it fits him just stalking down to the ring uh, perfectly. Gets him over as, as evil essentially, and that's really what they not not New Japan evil, but <laughs> but it gets him over as as an evil wrestler, and that's really what they wanted to convey. Yeah, all the components of the song just work so well, right? I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. heavy. That's an important part. Um, all throughout the song, it just has so much oomph to it. Uh, the tempo matches Vader's gait as he's walking down to the ring. You've got the synths and the choir in the background, which give it kind of a, a heightened otherworldly quality to it. And much like with Eyes of the World, there's that snap transition at one point between the slow, plodding riff and then all of a sudden, this da 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 comes in, and there's a big guitar solo, and things are going crazy, and it's all chaotic as hell. And then it slows back down, and we're back to the da 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 da. And really, can't you picture in your head this being the soundtrack to every Vader squash you've ever seen? Oh yeah. He comes out for the entrance, he walks slowly, he takes his time, his steps are heavy, the helmet shoots the smoke, the ritual is about to commence, and then the bell rings. It's chaos, it's violence, there's fists, and body slams, and choke slams, and power bombs, and the Vader bomb. And before you know it, the bell rings, the match is over, and Vader... Makes his slow walk back up the ramp. The deed is done. The monster is sated. Until next time. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And again, I'm so goddamn mad he didn't use it more. (laughs) Yeah, one of the things I really love about this this track is those, uh, you know, they're kind of just like the stock choral keyboard uh, notes there. Um, it, it can sound corny in, in a lot of songs when you hit that that uh, effect on the keyboard that just sounds like a gothic choir or whatever. Uh, but it really works here, and it really again kind of just elevates that the dark uh, theme or the evilish theme uh, of what they wanted Vader to be, and, and kind of what he was for the first few years of of uh, his WCW run. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've come on here and played a WCW production library song and. It was just like, yeah, it's fine, but it's just another generic rock song. And it doesn't yeah. really fit the wrestler all that well. This one, though, it absolutely does. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a rarity in that sense, I guess. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Christopher Sangarides. Uh, not only did he do this song, but he also did uh, the Four Horsemen theme, Brain Decay, which they used in the same year as this, uh, 1990. But uh, besides that, he, he does have a much... A uh, bigger uh, resume outside of wrestling because he produced and engineered for just a ton of legendary rock and metal bands for decades. Uh, he worked with Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Thin Lizzy, uh, UFO, Overkill, Exodus. Uh, he produced the album Painkiller by Judas Priest, which is pretty wow. cool. Um, he's worked with like Tom Jones and Depeche Mode, the Sisters of Mercy. Uh, he produced the song Joey by Concrete Blonde. So uh, yeah, he was a pretty big deal in uh, the world of rock and metal for many, many years. Um, sadly, he did die back in 2018, but um, he made his mark, that's for sure. 
Yeah, that's a lot more impressive than Brain Decay itself, which is one of my uh, least favorite horsemen <laughs> themes for sure. The talk about that one, that one is to me very one of those really generic WCW, early WCW themes. Yeah, I definitely prefer Coast. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that one's much better, I think. Yeah, That's one of my favorite themes of all time, any any company, anywhere. Uh, by the way, by the way, do you know who else used Heavenly Thunder as a theme? I don't. A man by the name of Mean Mark Callis. Oh, there you go. Would, of course, go on to become old Boogerette himself, The Undertaker. So a uh, little fun fact for you there. That's so funny because in my notes um, that I that I took while listening to this, I said uh, with the, the Doomy intro um, and the, the choral arrangements, I was like, are those the same choral arrangements or the same like a keyboard choir that are used in some of the Undertaker themes? So, ah. you know, I, I did kind of make that connection without actually knowing. Interesting. Very similar. Very similar. Yes, yes. So in uh, December of 1990, Vader gets his second WCW theme the one he has until the end of his run there in 95. So a long, long time, which includes having Harley Race as his manager and uh, the world title runs, of course, and the feuds with Sting and Cactus Jack and Ric Flair and Hogan, all those guys. It is by the trio of Bernard Arcadio, Andre Secharelli, and Jean-Claude Chavanat. I hope I said those right. Uh, it is from the Music Cinema Television Music Library, and it's called Afro Rock. First off, I have to chuckle at the title, because the idea of Big Van Vader, of all people, coming out to a song called Afro Rock is a bit funny to me, I think, but um, but as far as the song goes, you know, it's not a very complicated song at all. Uh, all it is is a guy just noodling on a guitar, throwing off some sweaty licks, while underneath it is the same backing melody over and over and over again. Don't. And it's just that, pretty much, for about four minutes. And I know he had this theme song for pretty much almost all this run there in the company, and some people may think that this is blasphemy on my part, but this song just doesn't do it for me at all. I can't get into it. Again, I understand that this is the Vader WCW theme, but... It just doesn't grab me like other Vader themes do, Andy. Uh, what about you? No, I, I actually wrote that this is far and away the worst thing that we'll be covering here. And, and really, like you said before, really goes to one of those generic 
kind of WCW, NWA themes. It's I, I, one of the things I, I thought was like, if you were live in the arena and this came through and you're watching Vader come down, it probably works a lot better with how repetitive it is. And, and you know, it, the drums probably sound a little bit louder. Um, but yeah, just listening to it as its own piece of music, it's it just seems really lazy and, and really cheap. Like they just busted it out in 15 minutes and said, oh yeah, that's good enough and let's do it. I also wrote that the, the guitar solo, uh, I guess like midway through the song, I mean, I actually like laughed out loud. It reminded me of like one of those like Creed shreds videos that were <laughs> hot, like 10 years ago, you know, where it's like someone yeah, that doesn't yeah. know how to play. And it's obviously not that bad, but it was, yeah, I, I somehow have never connected it really, you know, while watching this era back, which is my favorite era of, of Vader um, from 90 to 95. Uh I've never really paid attention too much to this theme. Um, I don't. I wonder. Do they actually use this on the network, or do they they use like Mastodon? Uh, like I don't know actually. I because they do that out. with a lot of like the the wrestlers who would you know go on to WWF. They they use their yeah, WWF yeah. themes and redub them. I have to go. I mean, we'll have to go back and check. But this one really, yeah, struck me as just terribly boring. And, and considering the the quality of matches that he had in WCW at this time, you know, with Sting, Cactus Jack, Dustin Rhodes, Flair. Uh, Big Bubba, which was carried, uh, they talked about on Omikaze this week, uh, John and Gerard. It was, you know, it's it's just, it's kind of sad, especially considering how good Heavenly Thunder was. Yeah, to me, it's not like this song just doesn't work for Vader at all. I, I think it does in some ways, because it does give off a very menacing vibe. Um, but there's also like a majestic tone as mm-hmm. well, with the keyboards sounding kind of like a trumpet. So in my mind, it kind of brands Vader as like this tyrant, this this vicious king who beats up his subjects, which I think can kind of work in some ways. But yeah, overall, if we're comparing this to Heavenly Thunder, there's no contest. It doesn't stack up to that song whatsoever. And, um, you know, if I had to rank all the Vader themes, yeah, honestly, this would not be very high on my list there. So Yeah, I mean, just imagine... imagine... It's just like him coming down to this. And it, it, it obviously, if he's feuding with people like Sting at this time, Sting's got the man called Sting or whatever. You know, it's it's good contrast, but it's it's just it just seems lazy and, and, and it's quite boring to listen to outside of the context of the actual match. Yeah, well, you must have read my mind, actually, because um, I also wrote down in my notes that this song works as a contrast with the themes of the other big stars in WCW that Vader was feuding with at the time, like, you know, A Man Called Sting, mm-hmm. or Don't Step to Ron, also Sprex Zarathustra, uh, American Maid. So yes, it does work as a contrast. But then again, you could have done the exact same thing with Heavenly Thunder. For sure. That also yep. works as a contrast with those themes, and it's a better song, too. So yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're in sync with this one, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Vader, like I said, he's in WCW until the fall of 95. He actually gets fired from the company after getting into a fight with Paul Orndorff backstage. So they let him go, and he eventually signs with the WWF and debuts there at the 96 Royal Rumble with Jim Cornette as his manager. And, uh, did you know, Andy, that apparently Vince wanted to change Vader's name? I have heard that, but I don't remember the story or the name. So I, I, I have heard that either from from Cornette or some shoot or something like that. I, th- I know it's a well-known thing. Yeah, as uh, as Cornette tells it, uh, he wanted to change it to Mastodon. Uh-huh. Uh, and luckily that did not happen. Uh, he was still just called Vader or uh, the man they call Vader. 
as Vince would say on commentary quite often. Uh, the Mastodon name, though, would still be around somewhere else because Vader's WWF theme is by Jim Johnston off of WWF The Music Volume 2. It's called Mastodon. It's time! It's time! So, um, Andy, you hinted at this earlier, and I think I'm in agreement with you, that um, of all the Vader themes he's had in his career, this is probably his most well-known theme. Um, which is funny because he didn't have it for that long. The, the, the Vader WWF run only lasted a little less than three years. But, you know, when I think of Vader, I think of this song. Um, the Stinger helps in that regard, I suppose. Oh, it's time! It's time! It's Vader time! makes it a bit more memorable and unique. Um, the thing about it is, it's not reinventing the wheel by any stretch. Like, it's very much in the same realm as Heavenly Thunder and Afro Rock. That, that heavy, aggressive, dour-sounding rock music. And it's very simple, too. It's three sections, all of them rather straightforward, with just a couple notes each. First, it's the dun dun brow, dun dun brow, then the dun 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 ba, dun 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 ba, and then the climax, which is the dun 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 part, and then it turns around and starts all over again. That's it. But I think, despite that simplicity, it's such a memorable sound and so effective in representing Vader and who he is that it becomes just an iconic Vader theme, Andy. I think it's not only an iconic Vader theme, but I think it's, uh, and I know that you you uh, could fight me on this potentially, but I think it's an iconic Jim Johnson theme. I mean, this is one of the, the WWF themes of all time that gets like suddenly like in my head. Um, and I know that Vader's run is not like very great in WWF for the, the couple of years that he's there. It's got some good stuff, uh, a handful of good matches, uh, but not nowhere near his Japan or his WCW runs. But you know, this like the especially that that second part after the it's Vader time and the the first kind of guitar riff there. That's just like that's kind of like what a lot of Jim Johnson themes sounded like of the era. But it, it it's just always been in my head. Like it just seems like that's kind of the peak of like 1996 music. It's just, it's just kind of perfect, uh, simplistic entrance music. So I think it's a, it's an iconic theme in general. Yeah. The most iconic wrestling themes, they're typically some of the simplest, right? I mean, you know, right. And, and Jim Johnston was such a master at taking simple riffs and simple compositions and turning them into iconic themes that stick mm -hmm. with you. Um, you think of like ultimate warriors theme. It's just like what, two chords, three chords at most, um, Stone Cold's theme, very simple song. Mm -hmm. uh, Undertaker's theme is just the funeral dirge. 
And really, I think the sign of an iconic theme is, can it tell you all about the wrestler just from the music? You know, does this song tell you all about Vader, about his presence, about his style, about his his attitude? And as simple as it is, I think it certainly does. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, he wasn't in WWF. He was he wasn't kind of the the same evil character that he was in, in New Japan or uh, in uh, WCW where, you know, he wasn't coming out with the Mastodon mask and he, you know, wasn't necessarily dark. He was more of just like this, this big shit kicker, for lack of a better term. And so it really kind of fits that and, and kind of the the bridge into uh, the, the Attitude Era where, you know, you're kind of doing away a little bit with some of those sillier gimmicks, although obviously they, they, they then ramped it up, but it's this, this new generation uh, era where they've, they've just got a lot of similar themes. And this one is to me, it's really probably a, a top three, top five for that, that era uh, for me in uh, WWF. Yeah. And, and to me, what really makes the song is the way the guitar sounds. Yes. Cause, cause the riffs on their own work very well because it sounds like a monster is coming towards you with the dun, 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 dun. It's like a horror movie, but that specific 95, 96 Jim Johnston guitar tone, it just, it puts it right over the top because that little bit of, little bit of grime, little bit of fuzz makes it just a, a little bit more dangerous sounding, a little darker. And especially that opening part with the da da, wow, da da, it sounds like the wail of some mechanical beast, some creature. And, it just, it works so well for Vader. And if this song really was made in any other era of WWE, whether before this or after this, it likely wouldn't have had that guitar sound and, and wouldn't have had this little extra bit of character to it. But Vader came in at this specific moment where his theme song sounds just a little bit more monstrous and a little bit more dangerous, and it only works to make it sound that much better for Vader. Now, a totally a random thought, and you might not have the answer, uh, but in my head, this is a, a prominent theme in like WWF, WWF Attitude or one of those early video games. Do you? Kn- I know he's not in that game. Do you know if that's if it's in any of those Nintendo sixty four, PlayStation one, WWF video games? Um, I am not aware of this. You're not no. aware. I have to no. look that up. Okay. Well, listeners, if you listen to this, you can respond to whatever and, and let me know. But in my head, like I remember, like setting this theme to one of my creator wrestlers, but I don't know if he was ever in any of those that era of games. So maybe that helps kind of make it iconic to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think as well, there's a little bit of irony to the fact that this is probably his most iconic theme, but. It's in the one promotion where he didn't really succeed as a top guy in his prime. Right. You know, because in CWA, New Japan, WCW, he was the world champion. He was the top guy on more than one occasion. Even after the WWF run, when he went to All Japan, he won the Triple Crown title twice. But he didn't win the WWF title. He didn't win any titles whatsoever during his run there. And, you know, you hear the stories of, like, Shawn Michaels throwing hissy fits at him and hurting his feelings and Vince wanting to change his name to the Mastodon and getting locked up in Kuwait that one time. Like, he, he did not have the the easiest time, that's for sure. And once 98 rolls around with Stone Cold Steve Austin on top and you've got this new monster to play with, Kane, then that was it for Vader. And he was gone soon afterwards. And it's a, it's a real shame 
that he never got, you know, a top run in that company. But um, but then again, you know, uh, mishandling wrestlers seems to be a, a common WWE occurrence there, uh, Andy. Yeah, and it's it is uh, on a, a lost a cane after a lost a cane where he has that infamous uh line yeah, I think i'm a big fat day, piece of shit you know, i'm a piece of shit i'm a big fat piece of shit and it's just like oh that's so sad i mean he's he's in his 40s at this point i believe um or at least close to it and so he's you know he's you would think he's on the downhill but then we see him what we'll talk about in a minute but he still has a lot left to give for for a few years um but yeah it is it is disappointing that with the talent they had there um that he's really only in a, a handful if that uh really good matches in his two years in wwf yeah um, you know, Andy, uh, last year I did a big marathon watch of the show Boston Legal, <laughs> and whenever I watched an episode, you know what I would say? It's time. It's time. It's Spader time, time, time. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> you did that just to, just, just to spite me, you know? I, I did. I, I call did. you out on your punny jokes. I had to. I'm sorry. I had to do it. I had to do it. Um... Also, seeing as how I am Jewish, do you know what I say whenever I show up to Passover dinner? It's time. It's time. It's Seder Seder time. time. (laughs) That's it. No more. I promise. I'm done. I'm done. I I got that one. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So uh, Vader would continue to use Mastodon for uh, many of his post-WWF appearances in the States and Europe and places like that. But that is not the last theme of the episode. The last theme is this song. When Vader left WWF towards the end of 98, he went back to Japan. And like I said, he joined All Japan and then later on made the jump to Noah. And the song he would use there, I'll be honest, I have absolutely no idea who does it. I cannot find any information about it. The only things I do know are that Vader is in the song saying his own name and that the song is called Vader Time. It's time! It's time! It's Vader Time! So, like Heavenly Thunder, this is a Vader theme that most people probably don't know about. And also like Heavenly Thunder, that's a damn shame, because this song, pardon my French, is fucking awesome. (laughs) I love this song so much. It is such 80s metal goodness. It's got this lead singer who is either doing his best Rob Halford impression or his best King Diamond impression. Those are the exact names I wrote, too. (laughs) With the falsetto rock screams, Vader is actually in the song himself, yelling his own name, 
Like, it is such cheesy pro wrestling in all the best ways. I love it so much, Andy. Yeah, I love, uh, and it's, uh, what's the, what the chorus is, who's the man? Vader! <laughs> yeah, it's super silly, it's super corny. It really kind of fits that that first year or so of, of Noah. Um, I mean, it's, it is just, it really fits that early 2000, everything kind of balls of the wall. Um, yeah, it, it, it is, it's a lot of fun. Does it, does it fit as well as, as some of the other ones we've talked about for, for the character of Vader, especially maybe an aging Vader? I don't know, but it's, uh, it is a pretty awesome track for sure. Yeah. Yes. See, to me, this song is like the kick in the ass that Vader needed to get back on track because by the end of that WWF run, he was in such a low point, but he leaves, he goes to all Japan, he wins the triple crown, he wins the champion carnival. And it's like, yes, Vader is back to actually being Vader again. And he's got a new song that its entire mission is to put Vader over and tell you how much of a badass this guy is. He walks the night in shadows. They cringe in pain as he draws near. He stalks the night in silence. He's the man who shows no fear. Who's the man? (laughs) Vader. He's the prince of power. The arena is where he reigns. This is the final hour. It's time to meet your master of pain. Who's the man? Vader. And it's almost like it's not only convincing people that Vader is awesome, it's like he's convincing himself again and getting his confidence back. Who's the man? I'm the man. Vader. I'm the man. And I think him saying his own name in the song is one of those little touches that makes the song not just more personal, but also kind of symbolic, too. Yeah, I mean, I never, I didn't make that connection. That's that's great that you did. Now it's really making me think think that. Um, yeah, that's that's a great connection. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's a, uh, you know, Vader is is you would think after the WWF run, a lot of lesser wrestlers would just be you know down and out. We've we've seen that countless times. We've seen some people reinvent themselves in modern times. Someone like a Cody or or whoever Brody leave, and perhaps uh, we've seen that happen. You know, people reinvigorate their career when they would jump to WCW or ECW or TNA or anything like that. And, and but we've also seen more people just kind of like have a shitty WWF run and fade into obscurity or, or kind of have a sad life after that. And he really had, you know, maybe his second or third biggest peak after his more or less failed WWF run. Um, so, you know, this really works and it really, I think if you were to know this song, if you're someone that was at the shows regularly or, or watching this, if it was on TV in Japan or whatever, you know, this seems like a song that you could sing along as you were doing and could really kind of get you behind Vader, even if he's this, this foreign invading heel. Um, you know, it, it really kind of reinvigorates the character for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's an importance, too, with the fact that he had this song in Japan mm-hmm. because Japan is where the character started. It's where the legend grew, and it's only right, I think, that you know now that Vader is back in Japan here, he gets a song that revitalizes him and his career, and he wins the Triple Crown and Champion Carnival. And when he went to Noah, he never became GHC champion, but he did make it to the semifinals of the tournament to crown the first champion, and him and Two Cold Scorpio were the first ever GHC tag team champions in history. So... While I don't think that second Japan run was on the same level as the first one, he still got, you know, enough respect and enough accolades to be considered, I think, a nice gold watch run. Because, 
after this, he didn't have any more significant runs on top anywhere, and his body was breaking down too, so he was essentially like semi-retired. But here, he's got one last push, one last hurrah on top, and a theme song that I think is you know very worthy of someone like a big Van Vader. Yeah, definitely. In that no, that first year of Noah, he's definitely you can you if you've watched any of that with, with him in it, whether it was the two cold tag or, or any of his singles matches in that first GHC tournament or, or anything leading up, he's he's a shell of himself. I mean, it happens really fast from from the All Japan to the Noah uh, years, and and that happens with a lot of wrestlers, especially people that are that big. And for someone like him to have wrestled as well as he did for twenty almost twenty years is, is very impressive, obviously. But um. Yeah, he's a shell of himself in Noah and kind of uses like a, a stepping stone for a lot of these people who are stepping up into this new promotion and making it what it was going to become. Um, but I love that he did tag with Two Cold Scorpio. I always thought that was weird. And then I <laughs> like, that's what a random team. But then I was like, oh, they're like two of the only professional wrestlers from Colorado. So they were like a little Colorado Japanese uh, tag team there. So there you go. Yeah, very strange to see a, a dancing Two Cold Scorpio <laughs> next to Big Van Vader, but uh, still a lot of fun, just the same. So, for sure, who also had a failed WWF run. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, those were the themes of Big Van Vader, and um, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, uh, sadly Vader no longer with us. Uh, he died in 2018 at the age of 63. Uh, pretty young in this day and age, that's for sure, but he had been sick for quite a while. You know, heart failure, all sorts of problems. Uh, that said, though, I think Vader is someone who has a, a very secure legacy uh, between his look, his accomplishments, and uh, some of his more uh, infamous moments in wrestling. I think Vader is someone who people will just remember so vividly and so well for many more years to come, Andy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, and I think it kind of comes and goes. I mean, people people are still discovering him and rediscovering him. Uh, from uh, you know, I, you may know that I, I when I first got into the podcast game about four years ago, four or five years ago, I did it with my best buddy, and we covered shoot style wrestling in particular, and we covered Vader and Takata's uh, feud in UWFI, and that was bringing eyes to a lot of uh, to that match or those series of matches that people have never seen these matches before myself included and it became really really popular in some of our most popular episodes and we made a t-shirt about it and we sold hundreds and hundreds of, of copies of this t-shirt that we eventually gave the print to um the, the vader's family is uh, one of his sons and uh, i thought it was maybe used on pro wrestling tees but i'm looking now and it's not there anymore but uh you know people are still excited about vader and people are still i think uh, the look, especially with that mask and just the size, it's, it's he's got one of the most iconic looks ever, um, and he's he's kind of one of those immortal wrestling figures for sure. Yeah, I remember back in like 2012 uh, when they were doing the build up to Raw 1000, uh, Heath Slater every week would face off against like a legend, and one of the weeks was Vader, yep. and he came out and got a really nice pop in the crowd, and they were chanting for Vader bomb, Vader bomb, and they were doing like the uh, the V hand taunt and. It was just a, a nice moment of recognition for the guy um, after all those years. And um, I know later on he would also induct uh, Stan Hansen into the Hall of Fame. And he wore the uh, he wore the glasses with uh, the slinky eyeball on it. That was a, a cute little moment and a nice little uh, nice little ode to the past there. But um, but yeah, Vader. As long as people remember him, they will look back on him very fondly. I think because he's Vader. You know, he's he's cool. He's awesome. And uh, he's just a real badass legend all around. So. In his last match against uh, 
a VOW favorite, Will Ospreay. Oh, yes, yes, the, very infamous. The, right. the, sh- <laughs> the shoot that turned into the work, yeah. Yeah, with Pete Dunne <laughs> as uh, as Vader Jr., apparently. <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, very infamous, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. But um, all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Met. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, thank you, Andy, for being here. This was your first time on the show, and you just nailed it so well. This was so much fun having you on. Thanks for having me, Andrew. It was a blast. Uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, I'm kind of absent from the the writing game temporarily. I've been writing uh, in the past uh, COVID time a lot about U.S. indie wrestling, but uh, due to how uh, some U.S. indie wrestling turned out uh, last month, I've kind of had to reevaluate my position on on covering something. So I may jump into that. I'm, I am kind of the resident uh, U.S. indie indie guy, I guess. BOW right now um so i'm not really uh, on the network or uh on the website too often but you can follow me uh, where i do tweet occasionally uh, on twitter at trilly robinson that's t-r-i-l-l-y robinson um and you may find me there that's about it all right and music of the mat is part of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can check out all the great podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can discuss this and all past episodes at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate and click on the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. Very kind. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, Andy, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thanks, Andrew. All right. For Andy Labar, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.